2: and
0: in As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and in godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Eric N.
1: On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Victor and J. Mac are on tap to mm-hmm. help us navigate the show. We will get around to some of your phone calls in the last segment. Uh, today we want to talk about the ripples of influence and, and I want to root that in a study that came across um, my desk, computer, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, something I got in my inbox that uh, it was one of those mass kind of like, you know, media pitches that um, I thought, yeah, they really don't know who they sent this to. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going <laughs> to, I'm not going to talk to you about this. I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to talk to you about it. Right. <laughs> like not in the affirmative. And we'll get into it. I'll I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Um, Before we do that, though, I would like to circle back to a um, Tuesday broadcast where our brother Mark, who listens in Virginia, called in <laughs> and uh, issued a public hand slap where he said, hey, that Tocqueville quote that you guys are often referring to, according to WikiQuotes, is not accurate. And he said, so I just want to tell you, you know, the alliteration and then the French language and... And I was thinking, well, you know, and here's and I always want to be honest, right, because I had not put my eyes on that quote inside the book Democracy in America. I thought, man, I've read the quote and I was familiar based on conversations I've had with Will the Great in the past where we were discussing democracy in America. And then there was another book that um, that he had from De Tocqueville. And um, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going based on what I have heard. And I have not read that. So I couldn't respond to Mark and say, yes, it is. You know, <laughs> I had to I had to just receive the correction. Yeah. Knowing that the principles were there. But that exact quote was the topic of the conversation. Right. So so Mark, who listens to us in Virginia, uh, sent me to my bookshelf to get my Democracy in America anthology. I don't know. Um, it's a <laughs> it's a two volume book that if only if you're watching the live stream, I'm going to hold it up to the camera and I'm going to angle it so that you can see the book. All right. This is how much I care about (laughs) correction. This is how significant it is to me. Can, can we, am I, is that, do you you guys see that? (laughs) Yes. Do you see how thick that book is? Do you you see that right there? (laughs) So, so my, my love and care for you, the listener and brother and sister in Christ, whoever you may be um, when you issue a call, or public correction. I'm going to go and do my homework, right? So here I <laughs> I was. I went and got the book. And literally, like, honestly, can I just say, this is so funny, but it's, it's really, it's, this is really truly the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, not an exaggeration to make you laugh. I really did take it off the bookshelf and blow it off. Like it really had some, <laughs> <laughs> it really literally had some dust on top of it because it just shows how Will the Great and I will cycle through things mm-hmm. that kind of grab our attention. Mm-hmm. We'll be on that for a minute. And we will build our library based on that conversation. We'll skim things. We'll talk about things. We'll bring these things to our kids. And then we'll move on. And then it'll be the next thing that we kind of spend some time. And you guys know that because you listen to the program. And often you hear those things coming out. So this one was from a few years ago where we were really talking about what makes our nation exceptional and what has made our nation exceptional. And so in the course of that conversation and grabbing up various materials, uh, Democracy in America was one of those, right? right? Um, It had collected quite a bit of dust in the years since uh, we moved on. Anyway, I go to get this book and I'm thinking I'm going to use it. And it's like a needle in a haystack, but I got to know, you know, is the quote in democracy in America? So after our program on Tuesday, we were going into a meeting um, immediately following the program. And so I I, uh, connected to this meeting via Zoom and I had the book in hand. And so I was talking to the group of people (laughs) in this particular meeting, um, telling them that, you know, basically I'm about to lose my mind thumbing through this book. I'm about to lose my mind. Because one of our faithful listeners said, hey, that Alexis de Tocqueville quote that you keep referring to is not his. It's not accurate. Wiki says it's not. And so, so um, our fearless leader here, president of American Family mm-hmm. Association, Tim Wildman, happened to be in that meeting. And he said, listen, let me save you some time, okay? I got some people that can answer this question and it's not going to even cause them to lose their minds. And so I was like, wow, our kids get to live. <laughs> <laughs> our kids are not <laughs> our kids get to live because I don't have to do a deep dive in this book to find this to to come back and and address um, Mark's concerns. And so sure enough, uh, after a series of I say a series of phone a friend because I reached out to the group that we were meeting with and then uh, Tim reached out to Stephen McDowell. Uh, Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, who co-leads the American Heritage Tours, uh, the Spiritual spiritual Heritage Tours, uh, with Tim Wallman, responded. And my question was, this quote that we often refer to by Alexis de Tocqueville, and knowing that the principles are in democracy in America, but what about the exact quote? America is great because America is good. If she ever ceases to be great, she will cease to be good. Um, not disappointing. Stephen McDowell responded. I would like to read to you the response um, that came from Stephen McDowell. Everybody trekking with me here? Mm -hmm. All right, so here we go. Um, This is what Stephen McDowell said. And I really hope our brother Mark is listening. Um, If not, maybe we can get the archives and everyone spread it far and wide. And I'm not saying that because I'm right, but I'm just saying that because... (laughs) I'm just joking with you, Mark. It's just a little fun, just a little joke. All right, so here we go. Actually I would I would like to say this. There Mark and I may both be right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And even Stephen McDowell said kind of similar to what we said that this quote is a secondhand quote that is attributed to him Um, But the principles from the quote, the idea of the quote Mm -hmm. is all throughout uh, de Tocqueville's work, his observations of America. Okay, so having said all of that, I I was joking about that partly. Here we go. (laughs) This well-known de Tocqueville quote is not in his Democracy in America, although the idea is there. I'm quoting Stephen McDowell here. It is perhaps uh, in other of his works, although I have not read it in a primary source. And this may be getting to what Mark is talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes on, but I have not done a thorough look. Cleon Skousen, in his book, The Making of America, uses it and gives the reference as quoted in Ezra Taft Benson, God, family, country, our three great loyalties. We use it in our book. Stephen McDowell is saying we use it in our book, America's Providential History in this way. And I'm going to continue reading here at length. The description of the early American Republic by historian David Gregg nicely summarizes the role of the church in a Christian nation. Quote, the people made the laws and the churches made the people. The role of the church is not to directly hold power as an ecclesiastical body that makes civil law. The influence of the church on government is not by positional power, but by the influential power of its great teachings. The role was described by a French political philosopher, Alexis de Tocqueville, who came to the United States of America in the 1830s in search of her greatness. After a thorough examination, he communicated in his book, Democracy in America, and here's the following from Democracy in America, on my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this new state of things. Now that is from Democracy in America. Again, Stephen McDowell here, he says elsewhere in de Tocqueville's writings, okay, so this is not in Democracy in America, but elsewhere in de Tocqueville's writings, he states, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors, her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there in her fertile fields and boundless prairies, and it was not there in her rich mines and her vast world commerce. And it was not there. Not until I went to the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Uh, again, Stephen McDowell here. In other words, de Tocqueville said that our civil government will not work without the people being virtuous, which is the product of the religious influence of the church. Mm. And this is really interesting. I don't know that I have ever sent an email that included footnotes to what I was referencing. But uh, <laughs> Stephen McDowell <laughs> actually did that. And there are three footnotes in this email giving a reference um, for his quote. So to summarize, let me just say this. Our brother Mark is is, is on to something when he says, or when he questions whether or not de Tocqueville actually said that. I wouldn't really cite wiki quote quotes as like my ultimate source and I'm joking about that but kind of in a in a like serious I wouldn't Mm -hmm. actually use them as my source I will say this that even Stephen McDowell is saying that it is referenced from a quote from another book that Mm. he uses he hasn't put his eyes on that so in that I think there's something to the question that um our brother Mark kind of raises about whether or not the Tocqueville actually said it I don't think because of the alliteration of the phrase in English, it means that he didn't say it, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think that it's to be taken as something that is just cleverly crafted um, to make us feel good about ourselves. And the reason I say that is because in all of his other writings and his sentiment about what made America great is that expression. That there there are people of moral standing in the United States of America, and the churches have fueled that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's uh, instructive for us today. Like, you know, whether um, he said those very words or we know that the sentiment and what he was communicating was that. And I think today we can look at where we are now and say, hold on, hold on. We need to (laughs) get to God. Like God has to be first and foremost, not these other things that we have placed uh, before him. And so. The, that quote or that sentiment is instructive for us today. And for me, it's like, okay, so what are we going to do with that?
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, and th- not to say as a, as a throwaway, but whether Tocqueville said it or not, it is evident that if you, even if you didn't believe that the greatness of America was rooted in her morality and her fear of God, and that that kind of flowed out from the churches, even if you didn't believe that, um as a as a proactive stance maybe that's not the word that i'm looking for here but it's the one that comes to mind if you didn't believe that as your starting point i think that there are very many people who would look at where we are now and attribute our decline to the moral decline in our mm, country right. so even if you didn't go into the argument saying America is great because America is good. I think you would say now, well, wait a minute, in our absence of goodness, wow, our greatness has waned. Mm. Do you know what I mean like oh, i th- yeah. I think that you could find the converse um from an observational stance right now, and so the point that we were making is exactly what Will the Great just said that the the secret, which is not so much a secret or the 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 key to our greatness has been morality like these I mean the understanding that if you have representative government and those representatives are going to come from the people Mm. are going to come from the people then those people have to have some sort of like moral compass like if if those people are going to be tasked with making laws I was talking to a former lawmaker in the last couple weeks Mm -hmm. and she said something that I had not considered before and I I thought wow if 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 every one of our lawmakers thought this way, she said as a lawmaker, she believed that she was going to give an account to God for how she voted. Mm that she was responsible to vote with the type of integrity and the type of conviction that she would give an account to God for how she cast her vote on issues, not just doing what would get her reelected or not just doing what would get her, you know, the, the funds to be able to run her campaigns and all of that. I mean, right. if just think about what that would mean in our country, right. if we had elected officials who believed that they would give an account to God for how they serve their country.
0: You know, and something that also sticks out is pulpits aflame with righteousness. Come up
1: with righteousness.
0: Like, hey, we need that. We need that. You know, uh, we, we cannot have that. And so I think that sticks out in what was said. And we when we look at our churches, what do we have that? We have to ask these questions to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's interesting, though, that de Tocqueville was able to observe that in the 1830s or 1860s and, uh, 1830s, 1830s. And then we somehow, um, went in the opposite direction of his observation. I may explain that just a little bit more when we get back. Um, Aaron, the Addison's American family radio. We got to grab this break. We'll be right back. All my life you have- The goodness of God. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's On American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening, and we appreciate the opportunity to be able to interact with our listeners and have just a little bit of fun. Um, of course, it's most fun when it's, you know, at, at your expense, not mine. Um, so so anyway, Mark, call us, holler at us anytime. Are we good? Okay, yeah, he said yeah. Um, anyway, I'm. you're like, you don't know that. I don't know that. I'm meeky.
0: And I'm willing that's C.C. Winans, goodness of God.
1: All right, Victory and J. Macron Tap, we're going to get around to some calls in the last segment. And um, if our brother Mark calls, uh, Victory will put him straight to the front of the line. I'm sure she will. All you have to do is say, hey, I'm that Mark from Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we'll make it happen. I wanted to say one other thing just to wrap up that first segment. Um, just my thought here, uh, reading Stephen McDowell's email Um, And and just kind of thinking about the sentiment of de Tovo from the 1830s and saying that he surveyed all these various areas of our country that um, he thought, well, maybe the greatness will be here. Maybe the greatness of the country will be here. You know, Mm. the fertile fields and the commodious harbors and the ample rivers and all of these things. And um, and he says, and it wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't there. Um, in her rich minds, in her vast world world commerce, and it wasn't there. It's not until I went to the Churches of America, and as you just referenced her in the last segment, and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness, did I understand the secret of her genius and power. Now, the thing I want to say, and then I'll move on uh, to to today's topic, the thing that I found re- find really interesting about that mm. is that those are the very things, those things that, that de Tocqueville thought would be the secret to America's greatness— those have been the things that we have kind of turned to, in um, in an Aaron type sense, and said, "Okay, here you go. Here's here you're, mm-hmm. your God who brought you out of out of Egypt." It's wow. like, yeah. no, that's actually those things are not the things that have made us great. In right. fact, those things have been great because of God's favor on this country. Mm-hmm. Like those things have been blessed. Those things have uh, increased and expanded because man, people who fear God were instrumental Mm. in those things and 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 I think it's unfortunate that we have made America great in our minds now I'm not saying that everyone has done this um and I'm not well let me just say let me make my point here I think it's unfortunate that many of us who fear the Lord and profess to be Christians have um tacitly over time made America great apart from God yeah we have found those things that like set us apart. You know, we're a superpower. Um, we've done this and we've and, and and all of those things we have looked at apart from the favor and the mercy of God. Now, that's not true for all of us. I mean, hello, you know, <laughs> all across this network. Right. That's what you're going to hear um, that. No, our country is great and our country is distinct and set apart because of the history, the fear of God um as part of the history of this country and the founding of this nation and so yeah. anyway i just think that's really interesting that you have someone come from abroad and say here's your here's the reason here's the secret to your greatness and we've believed that but i think um in practice we have not lived that out mm. always yeah. you know and even now if i could just say there are people who may not admit it but there is the belief that we will be able to in some way simply political ourselves out of this, like political our way out of this. And I I know I can't use political as a verb, but I'm just saying (laughs) there's a thought that if we just get the right people in in office, but I think the question has to go back just a step further, right? You have to say, well, how do we get right people?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Right, like how how, how do we get right people? If yes, we should get the right people in office, but where do we get, right people it's like teaching someone to cook but then kind of assuming that they know the steps that you may not include like you say fill a pot with water you know and it's the person who's like where's the pot you know like you (laughs) got to go okay go to the cupboard get a pot you know fill a pot with water so I think for us we're like yeah we need to get great candidates uh we need to get good candidates in 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 office but then the question is how do you how do you get good ones you got to go there's a there's a place kind of further back than that that that, I think we need to
0: go for the Christ follower you know, that should be our baseline, the gospel. And, you know, because that is what will change the heart of man. And so when, but when we start at these other things and saying, mm-hmm. well, if we do this and do that, we deceive ourselves because it's a heart issue. And the, the way that this country, and I said this before, is set up is that we get a chance to like vote and to, you know what I'm <laughs> saying, say yes. who well, we want to have certain positions. So mm-hmm. if the general population is immoral,
1: mm-hmm. well, who's going to be in office? My goodness, immoral people! You know, like you—you you can yeah. only take from the gumbo pot what is in it, right? You're not, right. You're not going to dip down into a gumbo pot and pull out mac and cheese. I hope you, not. At you. least you shouldn't. That, that would just <laughs> be, be wrong, gross. right? You're, you're only—that would be disgusting. Um, but but again, we digress because food. So yeah, I think that's. But the, why why would we even talk about this? Like, why would this even be important to bring up? As a conversation, I think this is important to talk about, and it's important to bring up as a conversation because it shows the immense work that Christians have to do in our nation yeah there's there is an incredible work of discipleship when we talk about being civilization's uh only hope, and man, the gospel proliferating through us like. We are the ones who are carrying the truth. If, if we are silent, if we are not involved, if we don't have convictions that wherever the places are that we occupy, that we do that for the glory of God, then we are really not serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and excuse if this is not a respectful presentation or a way to say it, but we're not serving God's expectation of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. that God expects us to to occupy, to to glorify him. Right yeah, to go, amen. we live in such a way. Like, what does it mean the the glory of God? God goes public with who He is, mm. right? He glorifies Himself. He goes public with who He is. So, if we are made for the glory of God and we are to live for the glory of God, that means in everything that we do, we're supposed to be doing those things in an attempt to to go public with who God is. We are going. We're we're telling the world, an onlooking world, we're telling them who God is. Mm. So that means in every area where we exist. We're supposed to be doing that. And, right. and this might be a great way to, to segue because you do that in your homes with your families. right? You, you do that in your careers and your jobs and in the, in the things that you're, you're, you're doing on a regular basis in, in the arts and all of these things. These things belong to the Lord, mm. you know, and, and we have stepped back. We're like, well, I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm just going to let them have it. And I'm just going to focus over here. But and, and we think that that makes us sort of like, you know, we're kind of pious in that way. But no, God has called us to occupy. He's he has called us to impact culture wherever we are. I mean, that's the effect of the gospel. That's what we've seen. That's the effect of the gospel changing a culture through the people who have been changed by the gospel in that culture. Yeah. So I got this, I got this email that was inviting me to interview the people behind commissioning this survey. And it's it's from the website resume builder, and they commissioned a survey of women to find out how they were perceiving the impact of the reversal of Roe versus Wade. And almost, they don't say this in the survey or in the the, the write-up, or whatever, or the overview of the survey. I would not say that they use these words, but um, the sentiment behind the results of this survey is almost that um, forcing women to have children— Upsets their career goals. Mm. Okay, so so let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about it though, because I think having a biblical worldview is so important mm-hmm. in all of the the various areas that we discuss, and certainly this one. It's not just a pro life issue, but it's also a it's a it's a value of children issue, and it's an understanding of women's roles issue. Right. That we have kind of lost. And so I'm going to tell you right now, going into this, I already anticipated and it's fine. There are going to be people um, everywhere who will be mad at me today, (laughs) but I (laughs) I will tell you this, though, I will go to Scripture as my support. Right. They're going to be because whenever you start, whenever you start swat, swatting at people's traditions and those traditions, whether they're based in Scripture or not, if they're longly, if they're long held traditions, then you upset people. And so I recognize that I'm going to do a little bit of that. But I mean, it won't be the first time. Here we go to <laughs> to, to to this study. Um Having children has negatively impacted one third of women's careers. At the end of June, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade, rolling back abortion rights in nearly half of states. Many scholars argue that abortion access, with an important—I'm sorry, was an important factor for women entering the workforce in much greater numbers in the 1970s. It's also been argued that women who are able to access legal abortion and delay motherhood are more likely to pursue higher degrees and spend more time in the workforce um, and earn more. So y- you can already see kind of like what the ultimate aims yeah. and goals are and how right. children just uh, sort of hindrance. get in the way. Yeah. They're a hindrance to that. Right. All right. So we'll hmm. continue here. For a multitude of reasons, having children, whether planned or unplanned, can create challenges for women who are pursuing or Aspire to pursue a career. In July, ResumeBuilder.com surveyed 1,251 women to better understand their beliefs around how having children impacts women's careers, as well as what their own personal experience has been. And so then this um, this article here goes on to list some of the key findings. And, and I, I kind of want to unpack these things. And then I want to I want to compare to what we see in scripture, because I'm going to make some observations about why I think we get here mm-hmm. or how how I think we get here. So three in 10 women believe having children has a negative impact on women's careers. Three in 10. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I I actually don't think that's a super high number. You know, but I I understand that they're they've got an angle. And so they want to focus on that because then unless there's some other category that's not listed in this article that I'm Mm -hmm. unaware of, then that means seven in 10 Mm -hmm. don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and I I do want to deal with the three out of 10. I do want to talk about that.
0: Yeah. But I think it's not a super high number, but it is, you know, it's it's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 33 percent of women who have children and or are currently pregnant say having children has had a negative impact on their own career. Hmm. These are the key findings from this survey. Women who are younger, higher earners, more educated and identify as pro-choice are more likely than their counterparts to say having children negatively impacts women's careers and has negatively impacted their own career. 33% of women believe they were discriminated against by an employer due to being pregnant and 52% of women who are expecting say their current employer's parental leave policy is inadequate or non-existent. So Mm -hmm. I went through and I was reading this, reading this article and looking at some more of the numbers. So that's the, those are the key findings and of course, you know, in any survey you read, they kind of start to break it down and I was just thinking about, um, How we have gotten to the place where a woman has felt that in order for her to be successful, she has got to um, have fewer pulls on her or have have similar responsibilities to that of a man Mm -hmm. in order for her to be successful in her career. Now, I'm going to say this and I know that this is going to just, you know, but I do have some scriptural support for it. Right. I think one of the problems and one of the ways that we've gotten here is that there has been a caricature of men that has been painted in American culture that has detached men from the family. Yeah, And I think that women have attempted to replicate that, but it's, it's a replication of a caricature. Right. Mm. So men have been detached from the family because it has been told to men it has become a cultural norm that men have no input in the family. Um, Yeah, they are the leaders of the family, but that's a title without function. There's Mm. nothing really for them to do with kids. And so they are free to pursue their careers. Because there's nothing that stops them pursuing their careers. They can be both fathers and husbands and they can succeed. But a woman cannot do that because she has to turn her attention to home. A a wife can't do that. A mother can't do that because she has to turn her attention to home. And so then her career suffers. Or if she turns her attention to career, then her home suffers. I think the problem with that is not having a biblical understanding of the roles of both husbands and wives. Yeah. That a husband was never meant to be seen as the person who, you know,
0: bring home the bacon, that type.
2: Of
1: yes, you know, <laughs> makes the initial contribution. Okay, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then the children, the then you got the kids, and then now, well, you, there you go, woman, you got them, and and I'm going out to, to 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 make a living, so that you can, you know, do what you do here. You don't see that in scripture. Mm. Th- there is nowhere there's no place that you see that in scripture as a result of this this um this grab by women that we have seen right this grab by women to sort of mirror that i I, I want to do what the men are able to do mm-hmm. okay without this conflict, without this dissonance that 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 occurs so often in women without the anxiety, but it 's because it's based on a poor representation of of biblically what is required of men. What is required of husbands? Hmm. I think to say that a husband is best served away from his home is not only antithetical to right. the gospel, the presentation of the faith, but you won't find that in Scripture.
0: Right. You're this right. is
1: the result of a tradition that was largely fueled by the Industrial Revolution.
0: Because I was going to say, I don't know if you even saw that in America until a certain point. <laughs> you know industrial revolution until that point yeah exactly so right you didn't even see that That wasn't the way of America you know? and so
1: here's the other thing so here's the flip side of that so so this idea of I don't want to have children not being able to have legal abortion is going to get in the way of my career and so you know essentially kids are bad children are bad they're a drag right um, not only everything that I just said here but I think this also comes from a poor understanding of what God has gifted women to do
0: Mm.
1: that the gifts that we have and whether or not, excuse me, we use those gifts solely in our home or we have things that we do outside of our home. And I'm going to, we're going to come back and go to some biblical reference here. I think we have failed to understand that those things so that the work that you do was never meant to be like the end It was never meant to be the thing that you that's not your highest achievement. The highest achievement is the totality of the things that you do for the glory of God so that you put him on display. All right, we'll grab the break and we'll be right back. back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's
0: Kim Stratton. You are my God.
1: All right. I will um, open the phone lines up. I know that I'm going to have to move quickly through the rest of this content um, or pick it up on Friday a little bit. But I want to open the phone <laughs> lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Talking about the ripples of influence. Um, who told us that children were an impediment to success? Who told us that? Who who told us that children were a burden. Um, You're not going to find that anywhere in scripture. This is something that we have picked up from a secular culture that has overwhelmed truth, a secular culture that has overwhelmed truth. And they've spoken so loudly and so consistently that we've believed that to be truth. Mm -hmm. We've believed that to be truth. And that's unfortunate looking at this uh, resume builder uh, survey. um, One third of women say having children had a negative impact on their own career. For women who have children or are currently expecting their first child, 33% strongly agree or agree with the statement, having children has had a negative effect overall on my career. For women who are currently expecting their first child, this number jumps to 65%. Mm. For women who are currently expecting their first child, 65% of them say (laughs) that this pregnancy or this child... Mm -hmm negatively impacts her career. So I was thinking about this and I was just trying to process this. And one of the things, excuse me, one of the things that really concerns me here is that women haven't understood why they have the gifts that they have. So like if you have a career, if you have something that you do in addition to the work that you do inside your home, which by the way, (laughs) the same is true of husbands, that you have something that you do In addition to the work that you do inside your home, if the latter is not true, that is to say for husbands, if you do not have a work that you were doing inside your home, biblically speaking, that is a failure. That Mm -hmm. is a failure. There's just nowhere in scripture where you see that men are solely tasked with going and bringing home a check. And that is their contribution to their households.
0: It is is offensive. And the Bible tells us that as well. Like there are so many... Uh, scriptures talking about the father being one that is passing down, you know, uh, the faith. You know, training up the children as well. You know, it, fathers have. I, I'm thinking about Psalm 78. It, yes, it, it talk- I
1: highlighted that. Yes, and, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking about that Psalm, and you know, it it specifically points out the fathers. So mm-hmm. we know that there's more than just bringing home the bacon. You know, there's much more to being a father, and 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 it tells so much that we have kind of given off just to the mothers or just to our wives you know
1: and i think the sad thing about this too is that we have made either um having a a calling or a a gift or an ability to do things that earn money for the family, like I'm thinking in terms of the wife, we have made this something that is in conflict to the wife being a wife and a mother. And you don't see that in scripture. You mm-hmm. you don't see these things at war or at odds with one another. But again, what we have done is we've gone to the culture. This is how you get women who say having children has had a negative impact on their career versus versus I am successful when I consider my family in total. That because what is the aim? Mm. What What is the mark of success? It is living for the glory of God. It is Amen. going public with who God is. Amen. Right. Which includes your family. I was thinking I'm gonna say this and then we'll go to the phone lines. I was thinking of the Proverbs 31 woman, which is so interesting that we have just really um, like, you know, people, I'm a Proverbs 31 woman. And I'm like, man, do you read it? Like, do you actually go and read it? Have you studied it? Have you have you looked at this poem and and really kind of taken it apart? And understood what is being communicated here in the scriptures, because this woman is a beast. Now, what do I mean when I say that? Like, you know, I I read about her. And by the way, this is um, King Lemuel's mother writing to him. We have taken Proverbs 31 and we have taught it to women. Hmm. This is the kind of woman you should be in proper context and proper perspective like understanding what we are to draw out from the scriptures this was actually written to a man this is the caliber of wife you should be looking for
0: mm.
1: which is amazing right because obviously you're going to be looking for this woman but she's not a threat to you she's a blessing and mm-hmm. and the way this 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 is a um Chiasmus is the, the the type of poem that it, this is, which you have a a series of thoughts, then you have like a middle point on on the on the poem, and then the series of thoughts kind of reverses and, and comes out, right? This the way that this poem is written. It's beautifully written. Um, we don't often get that because We're not reading it in Hebrew, but but it's a beautifully written poem that is incredibly thought out. Right. Mm -hmm. The way that it kind of um, comes to a head in the middle and the middle, the middle verse, if you will, of this poem is verse is verse 23. So I'm going to read it. Right. And then when you get to verse 23, it's sort of like the midpoint where then the poem reverses and kind of comes back to the beginning again. And I, I may not be doing this justice in the way that I describe it, but there's a reason that I'm making this point is because we have diminished the value of women. We have diminished, even among Christians, we have diminished the value of women and the gifts that God has given them Mm -hmm. to do incredible things. And we have forced them to believe that either they are home and then that's their highest, like living to their highest efficacy of what, I don't know if that's the right word, what it means to be a woman, the greatest display of what it means to be a woman. Or we say, if you can kill it in corporate America, then that's what it is to be a woman, to really set corporate America on its head. Both of those things are not represented in scripture. Mm and i know that that's upsetting to some people but let me just tell you here you have king lemuel his mother all right who is describing to him the caliber of wife that he should be looking for now i'm going to read this and i and special attention to uh verse 23 because that's the that's the midpoint of the poem you could call it the climax of the poem i don't know that you should but that's the midpoint of the poem right so it's it's a um it's a post in the poem all right an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain remember this is a mother writing this to her son okay she does him good and not evil all the days of her life she looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight she is like she is like merchant ships she brings her food from afar she rises also while it is still night And gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Okay, so so the wife that you should be looking for, okay, um, is not lazy. Mm -hmm. The wife that you should be looking for is an entrepreneur. She's not just buying a house. She's buying land, she's buying property, and then she's taking her earnings and she's turning those earnings into further advancements for the family. She is, she's busy. (laughs) She's busy. Some might say she has a career. She has some things that she's doing that she's known for doing. And again, this is not a threat to her husband or this, and this is not an opposition to what it means for her to keep her home or to maintain her family. All right. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself in clothing in fine linen and purple. This is the middle of the of the poem here. This is sort of like a peg here. Verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. In other words, the way that she behaves and what she does puts her husband in high standing. Her husband is praised because of what his wife is doing. Now, let me tell you something. This is really, this is sort of like not um, easily understood in our culture. Because we have adopted a perception of women and we have adopted a perception of men that you will not find in scripture. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, even among Christians, we've adopted this, which has caused this type of conflict. Either I have children or I have a career. Either I either I do this or I do that. When What I'm saying, what I'm saying is if we get back to a biblical understanding of what it means, this is biblical womanhood, what it means to live for the glory of God. Now, I'll tell you something else. And then I, and I, I wanted to finish this, but I understand that we've got a full bank of calls. I'm being told we've got a full bank of calls. Let, let me just say this, and we may pick up with this some more tomorrow. It is unfortunate that women have abandoned the home for greater significance outside of the home. But it is equally unfortunate that for women who are inside of their home, they have not considered or explored the additional gifts that God has given to them that he might display who he is through those gifts, through the use and the operation of those gifts. Now I will say this, does it mean, does it mean, and I I think this would be true for Will the Great as well. Does it mean that when you have children there are just certain things that you say, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not at the stage of life where I can do that. My family makes some demands of me. My family makes some requirements of me. Right. Absolutely, that's true. Right. But here's where we've gotten it wrong. That is not only true for women. Yeah. That is not only true for mothers. That must be and should have always been true for husbands as well. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? Let's go to Mark in Virginia. Hi, Mark. Mark in Virginia!
2: Hello, Addisons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's up, brother?
2: Uh, Well, I just wanted to say that I appreciate your interest in in accuracy. (laughs) And uh, this is a very special uh, radio program.
1: Oh, thank God you. bless you! Thank I I appreciate, appreciate you calling it. in, and and thank you for allowing a little bit of uh, a little bit of lightness and lightheartedness on this. I appreciate. It. Is it is it helpful to you at all to to get that response from Stephen McDowell?
2: Uh, well, it didn't uh, change my position on the matter or anything. Sure, like that, but, <laughs> but I was excited to hear it though. Okay.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> oh man, that's good. I mean, that's that's you know, and I and I kind of understand what your position is and where you're coming from. And and I think that Stephen McDowell also said, um, similar to what you're saying, that there he has not laid eyes on that direct quote coming from uh, de Tocqueville's writings, mm-hmm. um, but but it was a quote of a quote. So I can understand your position being unchanged on that. Well,
2: thank you very much.
1: Yeah, God thank bless you. You, Mark. you, Mark. We appreciate you listening and appreciate you calling in. All right, Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to... Uh... Tanja
0: in Tennessee.
1: Yes, hi. God Hello. bless
2: you all. all right. Hello. Yes, hi. God bless you all. God bless you. Can you hear? Yeah, go yes. ahead. Okay. Oh, thank you. Um I wanted to comment in regards to the children being a burden. Here is yeah. my perception of this particular statement. The dynamics of our upbringing is going to be different and our comprehension of the things that we've experienced in life are going to be different. As a single parent, I can say financially it's a burden, not necessarily that the children are the burden, but to have a vast amount of children to be left alone to take care of in this world that we Mm. live in, which is very pricey at times. Mm-hmm. I feel that that becomes a burden, but I would never say that. Uh, I would never agree to the fact that children are a burden because God did say multiply and be fruitful. So He meant replenish the earth with other human beings. So if He found it good, I agree with it that it's a great thing, to <laughs> you know, to have a child. Because most people, there's some people who cannot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my intake on that. I just think that they need to pray for understanding and strength and support if that's mm-hmm. what it is. And this new generation, because I do have two teenagers, they're a little bit different, more mouthy, more opinionated, <laughs> and they're kind of yes. lost in some areas. Yes. And they don't want to hear what you have to say. So I, I can kind of sometimes find that as a burden. And the man missing from that structure mm. can be, you know, the reason why these children feel like they, we have to work longer hours to, to provide for them. So they're kind of taking care of themselves in certain situations.
1: Some mm. of us have
2: help. But don't so I feel like that is it, and then the lack of wisdom from God will have you feeling like a career is more important than a life. You know mm-hmm.
1: what I mean, mm-hmm. oh man, okay, sister, tell me how do I pronounce your name? Is it tanji it's tanja Tanja, okay, let me just say something, man, I really appreciate the great care that you've taken in expressing your comments here today because i I think that that is genuinely where a lot of believers fall. I think the way that you have kind of parsed it out and said, okay, look, this is what the Lord says. And, and what he says is obviously true. Then the reality is, and I think what you're expressing here is that there is brokenness. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking about what you've expressed here. So if you're rearing children as a single mom, as a mom doing this on your own, that was not God's intent. So then the intensity, because parenting is intense, okay? Like it is intense. (laughs) But the intensity, excuse me for saying, is intensified if you're doing this on your own, right? And so what we've got to do is recognize that, yes, there is brokenness. But what I appreciate about what you said is that it does not change God's commands. It does not change God's expressions, what he said he meant, and what he said is good and right and true. All right, we may pick up with a little bit more of this and then open the phone lines wide tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then.
0: God bless.